Hey everyone, it's your girl May from Simply May's Thoughts and you are listening to the Uncensored Journey podcast. This is a show dedicated to understanding, highlighting, and educating on the different lived experiences around the world. This is really a space where you can feel comfortable speaking your mind unapologetically, making sure that you are able to challenge the status quo, and of course, feeling comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations. And even if it gets just a little bit messy, you can be sure that it was done with good intentions from a class act. Now let's get to the facts. Today's topic is a very fun, but also heavy. So I do want you to prepare yourself for that part. And I want to talk about Wendy Williams. Um, this week, Wendy Williams was able to share with Lifetime that she executive produ- executively produced uh, Where is Wendy Williams, which is a documentary to showcase pretty much where she's been in the last four years. As you all know, Wendy Williams went through a very interesting time during the pandemic. Wendy Williams lost her family. In, in both senses, like she lost her mother, but she also lost her husband. Her child was having some challenges with her experiences. So a lot of things shook up in her life. And on top of that, she was being taken advantage of financially. And she was designated a power of attorney or um pretty much someone who has guardianship over her finances, which she has been very vocal about the fact that she does not feel like it's being done equitably, but she also feels like it's not being, um, she has suspicions on the guardian's methods. So I want to play the snippet that Wendy shared. I want to say like, I really love Wendy Williams. Um, she really, she really, really motivated me when it comes to speaking your mind unapologetically. I was doing it in my private life, but being able to do it publicly, I tell you, it's a whole other game. Like You have to really understand the implications that your words can have. Words are very powerful. And being able to do it unapologetically, sometimes you may not do it with care, and other times you do do it with care. But the times that you don't do it with care, it's really something for you to reflect on and try to better yourself. Um, And I could see over the years that Wendy was getting to that point of reflecting back on the times where she may have handled a topic with less care than she probably should have. And so I want us to first listen to the trailer that they put out for the documentary, and then we'll get into the conversation. Let's watch the documentary. and. Uh, if you are not following me on Instagram, you should go ahead and follow me. It is simply Maze underscore thoughts. I'm six years old. All I wanted was to be famous. A lifetime two-night documentary event. Showtime. Executive produced by Wendy Williams. The boss is walking Everybody. Nobody can do it like Wendy. No one. 
People love Wendy. You are a star. She was in their living room every single day for 12 years. Yep, I guess that'll do. And that's what people responded to, her authenticity. And then at the peak of her career, she was gone. Are we ready? Yeah, waiting on you. All right. And away we go. Love you, Wendy. All I know is how to be famous. I really want to be back on television. You're going to be back on TV. That's yep. easy. My mom has done a great job making it seem like everything is okay always. Wendy, make sure you look here. One, two, yep. three. But in reality, there's something wrong going on. Did you see a neurologist to find out if I'm crazy? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I have to sit down again. She was put in front of a judge and given a guardian. That was when they took her away from us. I have no money. And I'm going to tell you something. If it happens to me, it could happen to you. As her family, we were all sitting on the sidelines watching. And she was crying out for help. Did you drink this whole thing today? Keep it there. Okay. Keep it there. My mom, she always talks about how she wants to work. I feel as though she was working on She has people around who are yes people and allowing this to continue. This is all too much. Go! Fly! I have no idea where we are. This doesn't look like anything familiar. I think she's losing memory. Have you guys noticed that? How dare him? I control men. I went Anybody could look at her and tell this is not just alcohol. There's something more going on. <laughs> I miss my family. No matter how many times somebody may fall down, you gotta lift them back up. We all make choices in life. We all go through our challenges. She's still a person. How you doing? That's my sister. There have been random people around you stealing money from me, getting money, whatever the case may be. Enough. Can you tell me where your sister is? No, I don't know the exact location of where she is. I feel like the Guardian has not done a good job of protecting my mom. My wife. My life. Right now, she's weak and vulnerable. And she needs to be around people who aren't going to take advantage of that. I have no friends. You know how many people come out to support you? You know how many people love you? No, I don't. Everything is going to be good. I know. I think that the guardianship system is broken. We are her family, and you tell me that I'm not capable of taking care of my sister. What would you do? What should I do? I love being famous, but family is everything. So good to see you again, Dad. It's good to see you, babe. Everything. Where is Wendy Williams? A two-night documentary event premieres Saturday, February 24th at 8, only on Lifetime. Girl, you better. Y'all, I'm a, I'm a crybaby. Like, this is so bad. This is so bad. Um, I'm really a crybaby, and I refuse to cry on camera. I'm a whole gangster out here. How I can't, I can't cry on camera? Um, anyway, child, let me get me my little tissue. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that really made me sad. Um, 
so many, so many, so many topics to touch on in one clip. And I'm getting emotional because she kind of, she kind of triggered, like her family triggered me. Not in a bad way, but in like a being able to see all of that support around Wendy. Now it, um, it made me feel like at least she has people there for her. But, um, oh, girl, you better, you better not. Why are you emotional? You better not cry on this camera. <laughs> I refuse. Woo, okay. Let me get into the topic, because at least if I start speaking about something I'm passionate about, the emotions will go away. Um, the emotions of, like, wanting to cry. But, okay. One, I'm going to start off lighthearted. For selfish reasons, I want Wendy back. Because we need Wendy back. The hot topics have been hot topicking. If you don't know about Wendy's history, the Diddy topic alone, the fact that Wendy was not able to cover the Diddy topic has really stressed me out because Wendy Williams lost her job because she was one of the first people to expose Diddy and his parties. And he personally called her radio station and said that they had to fire her, which they ended up firing her. But it the it went full circle because Diddy ended up having to go on the Wendy Williams show to promote a lot of his um, projects. Although I think she handled it with grace because if someone got me fired, oh, baby, we need to address it. <laughs> but the fact that she handled it with grace, I think she was very welcoming when he came on the show. He, she still asked questions, but you can tell she was still walking on eggshells in that interview. I need Wendy to be able to dissect these topics because she would have done it in a way that no one else can because she has that direct history, you know? So the hot topics are definitely hot. Wendy, sis, we need you back because they boiling over. And like, I go to the other news channels or, you know, daytime television. It's just not giving what it gave. If I'm being honest with you, it's not giving what it gave. We need you back. But that's me being selfish. But I want to preface this with, I want you back healthy. I'm not that selfish to say I would prefer the working Wendy over the healthy, happy, accomplished, and satisfied and whole Wendy. You know, that's more of a priority. A priority to me. As viewers, we get attached to you telling us the topics. Child, I'm just talking like I'm talking to Wendy. But anyway, <laughs> as viewers, we got attached to you, like giving us the topic, giving us a tea, straight, no chaser. And while I love that, I really want you to be healthy. I think that one thing that I do want to address is this this conversation of karma. Many people are saying, good for her. Whatever happened is good. This is what happened when you spend decades um, talking about people. And I just want to know, what happens when you spend decades listening to somebody talking about people? Let's be for real. You kept up with Wendy. Maybe don't want to admit it, but all of us have a little bit of messy in us. And I wouldn't say it's her karma that this is happening to her. 
I think that she was taken advantage of. And I think that the one thing that she kept close to her, which was family, that's the one thing she really kept private. If you realize, it was recent recent years when the news just started, she couldn't deny it anymore, where she just let it all out. But even up until when there were photos of the husband with another woman, um, she even came back on television and said, all things are good in Hunterville. You know, so she was very private when it came to her family. I think that's because that's one thing she kept very close to her. And um, she didn't want them exposed to certain things. Like, of course, her mom and dad would come on the show for support. But other than that, what do we know about Wendy's family? Think about it. Um, so I just, I really don't appreciate when people say this is your karma. Because justifying someone who has health issues as their karma and i really want you to consider what is your karma we all keep up with the shade room we all was watching wendy williams we all follow these uh youtube channels that talk about the mess and so of course having a good balance but you listen so the person doing is just as guilty as the one listening so before you judge look in the mirror I want to get into the conversation. I think the Guardian conversation has really, really, really been beaten down and discussed. But what I don't really hear is people addressing the addiction. And I want to address it from a different perspective. See, I think that sometimes we don't fully know how to support someone with an addiction. and. When I say we, I'm talking about black and brown communities because there's a stigma associated with, with having, a, having an addiction. And, I'll, and I want to speak from the heart here because I'll have conversations with friends and family and I learn so much from my younger sister. She is a behavioral therapist and her, her work is in mental health. And that's the only reason why I'm even able to have these conversations. But I learned so much from her just educating me on the theories behind mental health and addiction. And um, I really appreciate that. And I think that in black and brown communities, we have so much work to do when it comes to supporting those with addictions. It's considered a taboo. It's, it's looked at like you don't have any self-control. It's looked at like, well, if you really wanted to stop, you would. but the reality of it is sometimes you might want to stop. It can't. It's just like a part of you. And I'm a higher ed professional. So every year we have to do trainings. We have to do discussions. We have to know how to support any students who may be experiencing these. And, and that's the only reason why I'm able to uh, fully understand because I, I have to go to those trainings to understand how to support someone through addiction how to take care of my mental health while supporting someone through addiction, how to set boundaries with someone who has addiction. But not frequently does the general public seek this information. You know, it's like addiction is a disease and we need to keep reminding ourselves of that. We think that if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist, but it exists. 
It's here. It's in your face. Mental health is here. Addiction is here. You know, if just because we don't talk about it and just because we feel like it'll go away or the person will go away, it won't. And I want to share some of the things that I've learned because I do want to be a part of the solution. Prior to doing trainings, I used to really think like, if someone has an addiction, you can just stop or tell them to stop. Tell them to stop. Give them your deadline. Give them your timeline. Tell them what they need to do to stop right away. And that's not your journey. <laughs> that's not your journey. That is a very entitled approach, actually. Someone who wants to stop an addiction will stop when they feel like it. They'll stop when they have the strength to do so. You telling them to stop is actually pushing them further away from you. But it's very important that you take care of your mental health during that time and you set very clear boundaries. Because when you feel like every single time this person needs me, I'm going to be there for them, absolutely. They may see that as an opening to take advantage of you while you're supporting them. Whatever your boundaries are, stick to them. I remember supporting someone, and I want to provide a trigger warning because it this is a heavy topic. But like I said in the beginning, I want us to feel comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations. But throughout my career, I have encountered um, some people who self-harm. I'll say self-harm or plan to self-harm. And I didn't have boundaries. I was like, call me anytime. If you're about to do it, just call me. At least you have someone to talk to. And it took a toll on me. It was very draining. And it, I felt so bad even admitting it was draining because it was like, who am I to tell someone who's about to do something fatal to themselves that they're draining me? But they were. And I felt so embarrassed to say, but I had to seek help for that because I didn't have a clear boundary. Why was I getting up at 4 or 5 a.m. and rushing over and thinking I could stop something that if a person really wants to do it, they're going to do it? Or if a person feels like they have to do it sometimes or feels like that's the last resort, it's going to happen whether I'm there or not. And so you have to understand how to best support someone who's experiencing like mental health issues or addiction. Really understand the theories behind it and the methods, the, the successful strategy plans to make sure you are mentally okay through this support process because it's draining. But one thing that I want us to do is to acknowledge that conversations about mental health in black and brown communities, they need to happen more frequently. It starts from childhood. You know, um, when I started this video, I refused to cry on camera. That's something I'm working on. I, I mean, I'm be honest with you. I don't see myself doing it, but <laughs> um, it's just, it's just something in me that doesn't want to show weakness to others. Right. Um, and I'm speaking on the emotional part of it because balancing your mental health is something that we learned in childhood. 
those small things of understanding that if you know someone who, when they have a problem, they isolate themselves. It's very frequent and it's pro it can probably be assumed that when you were a child, you had to handle a lot of problems on your own. You know, if you know someone who, who doesn't have boundaries with the people in their life, it can be assumed that as a child, you didn't feel like you were allowed to set boundaries. So I think it's important to have these conversations of mental health and, and stop telling our black boys that crying is weak. We need them to understand their emotions. We need them to understand emotional intelligence. We need them to understand how to properly express their emotions, how to properly perceive others' emotions, and how to have a discussion about emotions. A lot of these things are topics that happen behind closed doors that we may not really acknowledge, but it's necessary. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I'm just looking at Wendy Williams and she's been battling addiction since her teens. And she's over 50, I think. Yeah, she's over 60. She's been battling addiction since her teens. When you have an addictive trait, it doesn't matter what it is. You're going to find something else, right? Like she was doing a control, a controlled sub substance when she was younger. She was doing a controlled substance when she was younger. Now that she's older, her addiction is to alcohol. But if you can positively find something else that you could be addicted to that is actually healthy for you, some people change their addictive trait to be addicted to yoga. Some people are, it's just so many other things. But really understanding that addiction is a trait. And most times, there's a genetic component to it. And if you know that that's already in your bloodstream, if you know that that's already a trait that your family members have carried, you need to be aware of that. And you need to make sure that whatever addictive trait you have, that it's in something that's going to be positive. It's in something that's going to enhance your livelihood. But my one call to action is my one call to action for everyone today is to pick up the phone and call that person who you feel like you haven't heard from in a while and you know they're battling a mental health challenge or crisis. You know it for sure. Pick up the phone and call them. You don't even have to bring it up. Just say, I just wanted to... You Crossed my mind today. I just wanted to check on you. Because I want you to rebuild that connection with that person. If, as I'm saying this, you thought of someone, you know exactly who you need to call. Because you probably thought of it before I even said it. And so that's my call to action to everyone listening. And it's to also understand that we need to dismantle these harmful ideologies within our black and brown communities. Because just because we seep it under the rug, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Just because we talk, we don't talk about it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Just because you shun someone out of your life doesn't mean that they're not alive. So 
I really need us to reflect on that and understand our impact and our actions, understand what we do and what we don't do and how that is perceived by the people that we love. Silence has a sound. Silence has a very powerful sound. And depending on the topic you are silent about, it tells me everything I need to know about you. So imagine someone who's having a mental health crisis and feels alone and feels like the people closest to them don't even care to check up on them. It, um, it's very touchy, very, very touchy. But I would prefer for us to have the conversation and grow together versus continuing to sweep it under the rug. Because the pile is just getting bigger. The pile is just getting bigger. It's not going anywhere. We're going to be having this conversation again and again and again. So we might as well start addressing it now. You know, um, this is a very touchy topic. I Like, I'm going in and out of a shaky voice. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm going in and out of a shaky voice. And, mm. but like I said, uncensored journey. I'm in a new era of my life <laughs> where I really want to have these conversations with people because I have it behind closed doors. and. Honestly, it helps me. It helps the people I'm talking to where we're able to push through a lot of challenges or discuss how we plan to uh, be a positive force in society. But why not open the conversation up to those who want to listen? So I want you all to remember that all journeys are not the same. There are some journeys where the roads aren't even built yet, and you're the one tasked with building them. There are some journeys that have obstacles, and some journeys are easier than the others. But no matter what, I want you to make sure that whatever path you're on, you're there to guide the one coming behind you and hopefully making it an easier path for them. You are loved, you are valued, you are appreciated, and hurt people do not have to hurt people. Family is what you make it. And sometimes to have positive growth, we may need to hurt the feelings of those we love the most, but it still doesn't mean you don't love them. Thank you for joining the Uncensored Journey podcast. And here we don't say bye because I'll see you later.